Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott and I'm your host. I'm an intuitive human design reader, a certified professional coach, and an instigator of joy. And I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for listening. My mission is to guide you through your awakening, your alignment, and your ascension. And I do that through helping you remember who you are and why you're here. All so you can experience more ease and flow and joy and play and magic and miracles in your life, because that is why we are all here. And of course, I use professional coaching techniques and human design to do all that, which reminds me, I've got something really special to share with you. It's called Project 2021. I am going to work with just a few, as in three individuals one-on-one. I am wired for deep connection. It is all over my human design chart. Everywhere you can have connection in a human design chart, I got it. So I'm here with the one-on-one connection, the deep interweaving of energies. So we work one-on-one together to help the person really, truly understand the blueprint their soul picked out for them so that they can understand it with their head, embody it in their body, and feel that resonance in their soul so that it's actually useful and life-changing. So we're doing all of this, we do stuff like a guided meditation to help you feel into every single one of your centers and gifts. We're going to go through all the centers. We're going to do all the things. You're going to have access to me through one-on-one calls and in off weeks, we're going to talk through Voxer as in, you know, that's the voice memo app. So it's this deep connection. It's an 18 week partnership and guess how much it costs. 2021, $2,000, $2,021. And don't worry, if you haven't had a human design reading yet, you can still do this. We're giving you a super discounted human design reading to add on top. So your total ends up being 2321. Why am I telling you the price right here? No one does that. But here's the deal. This is an amazing rate. And I want you to grab it. If you are somebody who is really, truly ready to do the thing, to change the world, that's why every single one of us is here. If you're ready to change the world in your own unique way, this is time. This is it. This is the sign. Get to know yourself on the deepest level. We can't really, really, truly love ourselves until we really, truly know each other's. <laughs> know ourselves. And we can't really truly love other people until we really truly love ourselves. So start the ripple effect right now. Get to know yourself so that you can love yourself, so you can love others, so you can change the world. Boom, magic, miracles. Let's do it. So if this sounds like something you might be interested in, send me an email at Kelsey at find-your-awesome.com. I know it's complicated. It'll be in the show notes. Kelsey at find-your-awesome.com. Okay. Now let's talk about this episode. Today, we're talking about one of my favorite things. We're talking about Mama Earth. And if you haven't yet listened to this week's bonus episode, do that because that is a meditation to help you reconnect with mama earth. Mama earth is the mama. 
She is the mother of all. She is the mother of all magic. She is the mother of all beings. She is the ground beneath our feet. She is the wind beneath our wings. Just kidding. Uh, uh, But she is for birds. She's the wind that blows. She's the ocean waves. She is in us. She is in every creature on the planet. She is all. And right now, so many humans are so disconnected from the planet, from the environment, from the natural wonder that surrounds us all. We live in these climate controlled environments. We get our food from the grocery store. You know, we're just disconnected. So much magic comes from the technology we have at our fingertips right now. And with it, the price is disconnection from our planet. So I am calling you fellow earthlings back to your mama, yo mama, back to mother earth, back to the thing that is everything. And Carrie Hummingbird is helping me do that because this woman is so magical. She tells us the story of her transformation from when she was Carrie, not Hummingbird, to when Hummingbird came into her life and showed her the way to become Carrie Hummingbird so that she can inspire people to live with positive purpose that lifts all beings and the planet. Like I said, so much magic. I hope you enjoy this conversation and I love you so much. Go forth and be awesome. Okay, so you just told me the name of your summit that's currently happening. Will you just say the name again, please? Yeah, the Return of Mother Wisdom, Mending the Sacred Hoop. (laughs) What is the sacred hoop? The, The sacred hoop is an indigenous teaching about the sacred hoop of all of life on the planet. And so in this concept of the sacred hoop, you could also use the word medicine wheel. And in the medicine wheel is the understanding of the four directions and of the earth and the sky and of a human's place in that cosmology, in that space. And the space we have is actually the way that we hold this is by remembering. So by remembering the sacred hoop, by remembering the medicine wheel, by living our lives, walking a path of beauty, is means to be in constant awareness that we are, um, we are an intrinsic co-creator of life on the planet. We're doing it whether we're aware of it or not. We're doing it whether we're conscious of it or not. So to be conscious of it is to walk the beauty way. To be conscious of it is to say, I know I am a conscious co-creator. I know I am part of the fabric of this earthly existence. I know that I am a co-creator of this, actually. And that my thoughts, my words, my deeds all contribute to the sacred hoop of life on earth. So everything affects everything else. It's sort of like the butterfly effect. You know, when you um, when a butterfly flaps its wings on the opposite side of the, the earth and the ocean swells on this side, you know, we have a storm. So it's that idea that everything is intrinsically connected. And we've gotten away from that understanding because we got into this objectification of, 
of the world as if it's like the earth is a floor like linoleum or tile and we walk on it and then we take stuff out of it and we build some house <clears throat> then we think that it's all inanimate and you know the only thing alive is us including like we almost don't even think the you know the animals and the plants are alive right like it's only humans and we can just do whatever we want and indeed we have and we've demonstrated we can do whatever we want but it gets um, consequences that we are not really enjoying right now as we look, you know, it's like a lot of people are even afraid to think about some of these consequences and want to deny that these consequences are happening, like global warming, for example. Mm -hmm. How do we wake people up to this? That's a really good question. Who wakes people up? Is it us waking people up? Because how well does that work in your life when you try mm -hmm. to go wake somebody up? Yeah, we got to wait for them to wake up themselves. Well, there's actually another level deeper. This is a really, this is a really cool thing because in, as we, uh, those of us who wake up, why are we waking up? Let's like, let's just take a little deep dive on that. Like, why are we actually waking up? We're waking up because the planet's waking up, us up. We're waking up because Mother Earth is waking us up. Mm -hmm. She's shifting her vibration. She's moving into a different spot of the, uh, the astrology you know, our celestial um, environment. She's moving into a different aspect of the celestial environment that's causing her frequency to change. And this is all intentional and divine and orchestrated. And so as her frequency changes and ascends in consciousness, so do we, because we're made of her. So, you know, it's like we're made of the earth. We're not separate from the earth. The earth is not a floor. The earth is a conscious living being with an aura called atmosphere. <laughs> we live in the atmosphere and we are made of the earth. We are part of it. And, you know, this is funny because recently I had a unfortunate, but, you know, I don't know if it's unfortunate or not. I, I'm just, that's my judgment about it. But I had an interaction with somebody who has a, a Christ-based show who said, oh, I can't have a conversation with you because my show is Christ-based. <laughs> Thought that was what's the conflict between um, Christ-based and and Earth-based? Yeah. Um. Apparently, there's a conflict, and so I that night I was like, "Wow, what about Christ consciousness?" Which apparently I've been schooled is different than Christ-based religion. So <clears throat> I said to Jesus, you know, because those of us who are awakened, we know we can talk to any ascended master, any teacher, at any time. We just have to put the question out there, and we just receive the answer. And I don't have to be an expert by reading the Bible myself and studying it. I can actually just ask the master, you know, like, what, what do I say to this person? So that's what I did. I surrendered. I just said, Jesus, please tell me, you know, how do I speak to this woman? Like, what words does she need to hear from her instrument that she knows is accurate in order for her to understand what I'm trying to say to her, which is that we're all part of the earth and we need to be able to talk to each other in order for our children to survive, you know, for our grandchildren to survive, our great grandchildren, like we're, we're doing now, we're taking actions now that impact seven generations forward. And we need to start remembering that and take good actions, which means we need to talk. And Jesus said, Corinthians 12. So I look up on the, you know, thank, thank you, um, internet. <laughs> and so I went to the internet and I said, okay, I need Bible verses, uh, Corinthians 12, please show me that. And it showed me and I just let me select and I said, okay, King James, I don't know, I think that's one of the, the ones that they all look at. So I was like, okay, whatever, doesn't matter. Like one of those books. And so I just pulled up the verbiage 
And I'm looking at it. I'm like, wow, it's a really good verbiage, Jesus. <laughs> this is exactly right. Like it talks about, you know, the whole body of Christ and that you can't forsake the eye with the hands. Like, you know, the hand is necessary. The eye is necessary. The nose is necessary. The hair is necessary. The legs are necessary. Like all the parts are necessary. You can't, you can't just say, well, I, I like this all, but I don't want that. And that is what essentially I was trying to say to her, which is that we are all different lenses of the divine being expressed on this, this tangible reality called Mother Earth. We're all made of it. We're, the animals, the plants are not separate from us. We're, we're all connected. The oceans are connected to the water in my body. The minerals in the earth are connected to the minerals in my body. The trees give me life through their processing of carbon dioxide and, and breathing out oxygen. But I'm all connected. If I don't have trees, I don't have oxygen. You know, if I don't have oceans, I don't have oxygen. Mm -hmm. So it's like, this is, this is the concept I was trying to communicate. And here it was right in the Bible, apparently. Of and course. Then she didn't like me quoting that. So, you know. Well, because mother earth has obviously been here the whole time and so people have been aware of the connection the whole time some people are talking about it some people aren't it's so a different state of mind right like mm -hmm. we have we have a lot of people on the earth right now that their understanding of life is that it's you know there's all this inanimate stuff around them that they can make stuff out of manipulate you know it's like they live in a big <laughs> home depot yeah like a massive home depot and none of it's alive just just them they're the only thing that's alive walking through that space and they can make stuff and that's a very primitive understanding about what's happening here so you say that mother earth is the one waking us up how did yes. she wake you up usually through darkness. I don't know what your journey has been like, but you know, <laughs> mother Earth tends to wake you up through darkness, right? And so my darkness was the, just this terrible feeling of aloneness and separateness and abandonment and, you know, feeling unwanted, unloved, unseen, unheard um, to the point where I, uh, you know, and then acting out from that space and then feeling worse about myself and feeling like, gosh, I don't even want to be here anymore on this planet. You know, like I don't, but I'm a mom. So I couldn't leave my children. This was eight years ago. I can't leave my children. <clears throat> I can't, I won't take my life because I need to be here for them. You know, they need a mom and I'm the only one they've got. And I kind of signed up for that when I had them. So even though I'm really don't want to be here anymore. And I just, at some point I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't be here anymore. So anyway, you know, like maybe they'd be better off without me. So your, your mind tells you a lot of stuff, basically. So in the shadow darkness part, it's like the mind creates so many stories, so many illusions, so many delusions. And all of those bad feelings in your body too, like the feeling sense in your body, like it just can make you want to like get out of here, you know? And, but that's the opening. So it's like down at the bottom of that pit in the deepest, darkest, blackest night of, dark night of the soul 
there is a light. And it happens because why? Because it gets so painful, you finally ask for help. Mm-hmm. It gets so painful, you're like, help me, please. Anything but this, whatever I've got to do. And you get to that place where you're not like bargaining anymore. You're not negotiating. You're like in surrender because you're like, anything is better than what I've created in my life without the divine. And so that's what Mother Earth does for us. She brings us to that place of surrender and pain, you know, because we have these bodies that feel pain, right? Why do you think we feel pain? It's a moment of like saturation with the separation idea, right? So then we can go, this hurts so much that I do desire something greater. And then what, when you surrendered, what happened for you? Magic. I mean, <laughs> magic started happening. So I just started, okay. I, I got down on my knees. I had the eat, pray, love moment in the bathroom floor. And I was like, God, please help me. Like, this is terrible. <laughs> and then the tear, the tears stopped. It was like, God came down, turned off the tear spigot. And instantly I was like neutral. I'm like, this is so weird. Because I was devastated on the bathroom floor crying and like just wailing and like, God, please help me. And then the next moment I'm like neutral and I feel peaceful. I'm like, this is weird. (laughs) That's strange. And I tried it a few more times. I thought, oh, (laughs) something's happening here. And then I started getting signs, right? The signs and the synchronicities. And this is all the divine mother's orchestration. This part is the cool part. Like when you finally get to that place of surrender where you just, you say, fine, you know, I, I quit. All right, you win. When you finally get to that place, the synchronicity starts and then you get signs and you get visions or however it shows up for you. Or you have these synchronistic conversations where you're talking about the same thing with someone and then this other person comes along and talk about the same thing. And then this happens and you're like, you start to realize there's an orchestration happening. Mm-hmm. And they're like little breadcrumbs that everyone talks about, those breadcrumbs. And you realize you can follow them through the forest. You're like, wait a second, where is this? And it's like, it becomes like a massive Easter egg hunt. Like, where's the next Easter egg hunt? Where's the next Easter egg? I'm trying to find that, that egg, that piece of candy or whatever, that big moment or little moment even. They become so profound. I love that you just used the Easter egg hunt analogy because I, I, get, I'm, I wake up every day excited because I've never seen this day before. And wondering where it's going to lead me, where I'm going to find the Easter eggs. Yeah. What, like even this conversation, like we talked about it before we came on, we're like, oh, we never plan these things. Yeah. I have no idea I where no we're I, going. I don't know what we're going to talk about because I surrender to it. Mm-hmm. But already I love this conversation. Me too. <laughs> and I want to know more about like, so God turned off the spigot. We've still yeah. got you. You're pretty much on the bathroom floor still. Yeah, but the but the spigot stopped, and I'm sitting there like on the bathroom floor. No more drama. Mm. This is weird. There's no drama. (laughs) Where does the drama come from? It begs the question. Like where, where the drama go? There's no more drama right now. It's gone. It got cleared away. Where's the drama now? Do I want the drama? Or do I not want, you know, do I want it or do I not want it? Like, that's kind of like, it becomes apparent. Like I asked for God, God came in, no more drama. 
huh before god before i asked for god there was tons of drama and like wailing and crying and all this other stuff hmm so it, it you know it's like this this awakening you know these little awakenings that just happen and it took me a while i mean i think it takes many of us uh, from the bottom of the pit of despair you know to your realization that you're cherished it is a journey it is a journey and each step is pretty fascinating along the way and it you know your steps won't be anything like mine i mean they're similar but they're not the same the details are different and that's what makes it so unique and fun is that each of us can go on the journey and be surprised and delighted eventually exactly. yes delighted if we're open to delight and maybe Which is not fun. in the moment yes and so then I started to realize that this whole thing, and then I started having experiences and I, I was led to the shamanic path, which for me was the path of um, my awakening, you know, my awakening process. I believe that there's many different pathways, but the thing I like about the shamanic path is that it's connected with the earth, with the divine mother, and it's um, a path of ceremony and a path of, of listening, deep listening, and a path of the synchronistic signs and connections, a path of recognizing that animal allies are like animals are allies, that plants are allies, that they have consciousness, that they have wisdom, that they have medicine to share, that they're powerful and that you can call on them. It's like you can call on the mountain spirits. You can call on your rocks and crystals. Like, wow, it's all alive. You know, like that part to me just fascinated my mind. I was just like, this is cool. I want to know who my animal ally is, you know, and then hummingbird came. And a big vision. So <laughs> when Hummingbird came to you, was it in real life or was it just in vision or both? Well, what's real? You know, that's, I love that question. What's more real? But I was having a vision. I was actually in a drum journey meditation because by now I had gotten a drum. I had found a teacher and I was starting to learn about this. And I realized that I could get myself out of my mind where I realized my mind was addicted to drama. So I which made the realization. Which answers the question, right? Where does, where does drama live? Because <laughs> here. Mind. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, drama lives in my mind. My chattering mind. I also realized it chatters a lot. Because I finally started getting quiet. And in the quiet space, I realized how much it chatters. I was like, wow, my mind is so busy. That's exhausting. Then I made the decision that's exhausting. I'd like to get it to be more quiet. So I feel less exhausted and more and, you know, full. So as I started practicing drum journey meditation, which for me, cause I couldn't just sit down and meditate like yoga style, like forget that. I mean, I can move my body in yoga and I would get peace, but just sit there like a yogi. No, I could not get there. So I had some, I had to have stronger stuff. So I got a drum. <laughs> And I was just like bang my drum and just like listen to the drum and just take a journey, you know, in my mind and see things. And it was part of that. And of course, having intention gets you to use the drum, right? So I, I had my spirit guide that like, got me to take a drum journey to get my house that I'm living in now because it had been on the market and it'd been going, somebody had had to put an offer on it. I found it after they'd already been in contract for a couple of you know, back and forth and back and forth, but they couldn't come to an agreement. And so here I come and I'm like, this is my house. And I just knew it. I was like, this is my house. And so I, then I got, oh, well, you know, they're probably not going to get it because 
when they go this back and forth, back and forth like that, they don't, they usually settle. So you're not going to get the house. Well, so I told on my drum. I said, we'll see about that. <laughs> so I pulled out my drum and I just started visualizing being in the house. Cause I, I'd already been studying like these other teachers who were um, talking about the power of your mind to visualize things and to know it. So, and in spirit, and then it would like manifest, right. The law of attraction. So I was practicing that and I'm in my, inside my mind, like seeing the house and da, 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 my, and my grandmother who's departed had come in the house and said, this is beautiful. We love this. I'm having like, you know, these ideas. And then I did, and I was kind of making it happen. You know, that moment where you're visualizing, but you're kind of making the dream happen. You're forcing the dream. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I I'm in the kitchen in the dream. And I look out the back window in the dream of the house and a, a, the rainbow light gushes up the window and this hummingbird just hovers. Wow. I was like, whoa, because I didn't make that happen. It was unexpected. And it was a moment of sheer awe. It hung there and I was like, I stopped drumming because how can you drum when you're having a moment of awe like that? I was like, wow. And then the phone rang and I answered it. It was my real estate agent. The deal fell through. They, um, they want your offer on the house. <laughs> wow. This is my life since I started this path. This is my life since I made that decision to follow, you know, like in the matrix, like follow the white rabbit. Mm -hmm. This has been my life, like has been these moments. So for you, is it, do you see the hummingbird on a regular basis? Does the hummingbird tell you that you're like going the right way? I, I mean, I call on hummingbird. I, I took hummingbird on as my name, you know, right. Carrie hummingbird. Um, because it was the most real thing I'd ever experienced. And I, I was, you know, coming out of a divorce. So I was asked to like, what's your name? I was like, well, Carrie hummingbird, like forget all those other names. Uh, this is the most real thing I've ever seen. A hummingbird is a regular ally of mine. I have Icaros now that I sing to hummingbird and I just, I call hummingbird in every single day and I just, it's a constant ally to me. So if I do a healing session and I call on hummingbird and I sing that Icaro, people feel that energy come in. Like it's a very present ally for me. What is the energy of hummingbird? Hummingbird is, hummingbird for me, it signifies faith and joy and that innocence uh, that total trust because, you know, hummingbirds are tiny, right? They're these little tiny things or their wings beat really fast and they need a lot of food to survive. Like they need lots and lots of nectar. And then every year they make this epic journey where they go, you know, from like South America to North America. And how do they know that they're going to have food the whole way to make it? That's a really big journey for such a tiny little bird. But they make it and they survive and they're amazing, you know, and they go all night long sometimes in the cold without any food and they survive. They know how to like regulate themselves to go deep inside and then they come back out in the sun. They're amazing. They're, they're fully on faith. They're just fully on faith and they fully follow their hearts to the nectar. That's what they do. And yeah. So for me, learning that. There's also some magic there because how do these tiny birds with these tiny wings that flap so fast, how do they keep themselves afloat? How do they keep themselves alive? And there's of course that like drinking the sweetness of life. 
the nectar. Yeah, and I'm, you know, the nectar is what I'm all about. Because before when I was doing life as I was prescribed, that didn't, you know, it didn't have a lot of nectar. It had money, lots of money. But money and nectar aren't the same thing. It's not. It's like money is nice because it helps you navigate this third dimensional reality a little bit easier and you can travel places and go get nectar, you know, <laughs> or, but the nectar can happen every single day. I mean, the nectar happens in the moments that I surrender to this divine presence, to this oneness, to the divine mother that's orchestrating this whole thing. These conversations, the synchronistic moments, these are all bits of nectar for me throughout my day. So I, you know, that's the only way I want to live my life and I need to be all in. That's me. I needed to be all in like my, my, my spiritual path, my personal focus, my, uh, my healing, my business, my relationship with my partner. It all is immersed in this study of interfacing directly with the divine. I want to hold up for a second as we're in this, this hummingbird energy, this nectar energy, this is still like you weren't born. You weren't born. No, you were born knowing this, but when you were like a teenager, when you were in your twenties, you weren't as aware of this, right? Yeah. In my twenties, I was totally concerned with like who liked me and who didn't like me. And I was awkward and I was like, had a bunch of stories and, you know, I wanted to have fun and party and so I don't know. What would you tell that version of you about hummingbird? Well, you know, I think that I would, I think she would have been able to hear me because there was a part of me at that age that always knew that there was more to life. Like I, I always knew that I was not going to settle for the small life. And when I say the small life, like I was not going to settle for, a, you know, a regular reality existence. Like that just seems so boring to me. Like I can't do that. It's just not me. Um, I, and so and you would always find me out in nature. I would always be hiking. I would hike for just hours, you know, out there with my dog, you know, just like hours out there. So I, I would have understood that there was more, but I would have questioned like, well, how do I get there? You know, cause they're telling me I have to like have this icky job in corporate and I have to go, that's the only way for me to make money. And, and that and that seems just repulsive to me, but I don't know what else I could do to make money to survive. So I guess I have to do it because I don't have another solution. And being a professional artist, which is what I thought I wanted to be for a long time, being a professional artist, like is so hard to make money at it, you know, and live a nice life. And I'd been kind of cushy and I went to Smith as we talked about. So I went to an Ivy League school, you know, so um, my parents weren't like wealthy, but my dad made a good income as a, you know, in a computer company. So yeah, I mean, I was kind of used to having a decent life, nice material provided for life. So the idea of being a starving artist didn't appeal to me either. 
you know, and so I didn't really have a solution for, well, what kind of job could I get that I'd actually be super excited about? That sounds great and makes decent money. And there wasn't an answer for that. So what I ended up doing was a lot of people do is I got a decent job that I could, you know, at least not be devastated doing and made the best of it and celebrated, you know, hump day on Wednesdays and got excited. Thank God it's Friday. And, you know, and went out to restaurants and drank lots of alcohol and, you know, and nice fancy meals where they take the scraper and they scrape the breadcrumbs off your, you know, cause, cause that makes it better to have that beautiful image, you know, and then go on vacation. We would go on vacation. My husband and I at the time, um, father of my children, we'd go on vacation, we'd go to Maui and celebrate, like take our money and from high tech and go, go to Maui and hang out on the beach and feel like, you know, really wealthy for like one week, <laughs> you know, it was like you get back your into the grind. Yeah. yeah. You got your hit of nectar. Yeah. I get my hit of nectar, like go to Maui and you, I don't know, for me, like I would land on Maui and I would walk out into the air and I would feel like I was being kissed. Mm-hmm. Just like kissed by the air. I mean, that's gorgeous. And then the, then the inquiry was, well, how can I live here? How can we live it? We even looked into that. How can we live in Maui? How can we live someplace like this? And and the mind goes like, oh, what kind of job, what kind of, you know, high paying job can you get to live a place like that? So, so the whole inquiry just becomes like, how can you make money to afford a lifestyle that gives you a sense of having nectar? So everything is predicated on money in that paradigm. And how does it work in the paradigm you're in now? The paradigm I had to lose, I had to lose my attachment to money. Not to say I don't have money because I, money comes in to me all the time now. It's very fluid. Actually, it's much more fluid than it's ever been doing this work, you know, but I had to, I had to become humbled in the sense of it's not so much about being pampered as being nourished is a difference. Yeah. Yeah, being nourished is being given a nutritious meal and being nourished is your toes in the grass rooting and connecting with Mother Earth. Being pampered is being at a salon getting a pedicure with all the chemicals around you. Yeah, exactly. Like I haven't had a pedicure. I give myself pedicures. I'm getting better at it. But that used to be one of my main things was go get, I used to get the acrylic nails and, and get the pedicures and spend hours at salons, like getting pampered. And really I had to give that up. Like along my journey, I, I, little by little, I was, I was um, guided by the divine mother to understand the difference between what I actually needed, deeply needed and what I thought I wanted. What was that like? Terrifying. (laughs) This is what a lot of people go through now. It's like, I so understand people in fear over COVID because COVID is one of these disruptor agents that Mother Earth has brought for us. I mean, it's a huge disruptor. And so a lot of people are facing some of the things that I faced in my journey. Like I faced bankruptcy. 
there's a lot of people right now facing that. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, I'm going to lose everything I built. I'm going to lose my 401k. I'm going to lose my security. I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose my whatever, my job. And I'm terrified. And I, I was facing that too. You know, I was like, okay, I'm being called to spend the last $10,000 in my 401k from 20 years of saving money for retirement, right? I'm called to spend the last $10,000 on a program to go study energy medicine from Peruvian shamanism. What? I, I didn't have a choice. Like it was the choiceless choice. Like I knew I had to do it. And then when I found out I was getting, I uh, had it after I did that, I found out I was getting laid off in a year. I was getting ready. I knew it was time for me to start my business, right? To go out as a healer, a soul guide, like start doing the work. And um, I'd been preparing for a long time to do that. Not a long time for me. You know, I'm very impatient. <laughs> Right. couple you're, years. You're a manifester. <laughs> we haven't, put that, we haven't announced that yet. We didn't announce that, but I'm a manifester. I work very quickly. <clears throat> I'm like the wolf, you know, I'll be there in five minutes when it takes 20. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty much I was like, you're, I know I'm getting laid off in one year from this corporate job. And I just have to, I have to go all in on my spirit work. Were you excited when you heard that you were getting laid off? Yes and no. Like I, when I heard that, I was like, wow, I'm getting laid off. And I was like, wow, I have a whole year. That's unusual. Why would I be told I had a whole year? And as I sat and contemplated that, because I'm much more into contemplation than meditation, as we talked about, I was like, wow, this is my runway. This is my runway. I need to run hard and fast to the finish line on this runway, grow myself as quickly as I can. Cause I'm, I'm going to fly after this is up. And I knew yeah, you, it. You were actually given your launch date. I was, I was like, you're launching here. So for a moment, like this little wiggly moment in time, back roundabout, like it was two months before I was supposed to be laid off. Two months before I'd been, I did it. I, I applied myself. I focused, like I really just went for it. I was like, screw it, man. I'm going to put all the energy where I'm headed. And like, this is just going to have to suffer. You know, <laughs> like, I don't care. I'll do an hour a day, but I'm doing the rest of it on this. Like I was really a terrible employee, but two months before I, I, I left, I was supposed to get laid off. There was this little wiggle of time where I was going to get an extension for another six months. And I was really excited about that. Cause I was like, Oh good. That means I don't have to work as hard. Like, cause it had been pretty exhausting. And, and then I went to the bank and I made a whole new financial channel for my Carrie Hummingbird. And I sang the medicine into it. Like I used my Icaros and I was like, Carrie Hummingbird, da, da, da. This is my passion. This is my business is what I'm doing. And like, I kid you not, two days later, that opportunity went away. <laughs> I was going to be laid off. <laughs> so you didn't need it anymore. You were ready. I- I didn't need it. And I knew it at that time. I said that guides think I'm ready. Mm -hmm. And that first, I would say that first eight months was pretty terrifying because I'm a mom. I have two kids. I want to keep the home we're living in. So they have the same place to live. I don't want to lose our house. 
And now I'm going from a high-tech salary to a fledgling business as a healer salary. Crap. <laughs> God, that sounds totally terrifying in this, this human world. Terrifying. Absolutely. And it all worked out. It all worked out. And I got everything I needed to make that transition. And I worked my ass off. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love that you just said that. You got everything you needed and you worked your ass off. Both. Yeah. Because it takes both, right? Yeah. You can't just sit back. And I, I love how some people think you can just sit back and own it and it's just going to arrive. That has sometimes that works for me. A lot of times, though, you got to just put in good old hardworking effort, you know, mm -hmm. chop wood, carry water, make it happen. Because mm -hmm. it's about co-creating with the universe. Yeah. Not like putting your order in and sitting back no. for the restaurant yeah. to deliver it. Right. It's not takeout. <laughs> co-creation. Get take in out. that kitchen. Chop the vegetables. Mm -hmm. You might need to go harvest them from the garden. You know, you might need to. Like, and it's, it's co-creation. So I was inspired and there were times I was learning how to be in, when you're in fear, it's really hard to be inspired and co-creative. Right. In fact, that's pretty much the opposite of yeah. inspiration. So it's hard when you're in a space of fear to relax and go, okay, I'm not going to operate from fear. I'm not going to take action from fear. I'm going to listen for the guidance which means I got to get quiet and still and not be doing. Listen for the guidance, breathe, trust it's going to be there. And then see what unfolds, what comes up in me, what message I receive, who calls on the phone, whatever it is, to take the next action, hardcore, like, bam, I'm on it like Jaguar. <laughs> you know, like that is happening. Completely committed to it. Without, without even like attachment to the outcome, you don't even know if it's going to work. It doesn't matter. You're on it. How do you do that? Like, I think a lot of people struggle with, you know, I'm all in, but really their like left foot is a little behind or actually they're holding on to something with their hand, but the rest of them is leaning all the way in. How do you, how did you rec reconcile like where you might be holding on. How did you get, how are you brave enough to go all in? Here's how I was brave enough to go all in. As I reminded myself, well, Carrie, you were ready to commit suicide. So Let's what difference does it make? I mean, like, so what? You might fail. You might like go all in on it. And then it doesn't pan out with the way you expected. You got 10% of the result you thought. So what? You're still here. You were going to quit the whole thing. So anything is better than that. You know, so I think it's just like I got so far down in my pit of despair that like at some point I realized anything is better than that. Mm, it sounds like you got so far down in your pit of despair that you were able to, well, you used the word surrender before, but like also just completely release, like palms open, zero attachment. I'm grateful. I feel grateful. I feel like, well, I'm aware I guess I'm aware of the power of the divine now. So I am aware of the power of the divine to stop my tears. I am aware of the power of the design to create a whole lot of mess and trouble for me that, you know, if I don't go, if I don't listen, right. And I just keep stubbornly doing my, whatever I think, I'm aware that I could get myself in a whole lot of trouble. 
and that the divine is perfectly fine guiding me down that path that that's where I need to go. Like, it's totally fine. I can destroy everything. Mm -hmm. And so because I'm aware of that, I'm really aware of how grateful I am when it's gentle, loving, and kind. The divine is all, right? It can be gentle and loving and kind, and it can deliver bitch slaps. Bitch slaps happen. It's just like a mom. You know, that's mm -hmm. why <laughs> this, this understandings, these understandings have helped me to be in har better harmony with my own instinctive ways of being a mom and my own judgments and assessments about my own mother. Um, it's like, as I've done this work to heal the mother wound, I've seen like as a vehicle, as a body that has a womb, right? Capable of producing a fetus and nursing a fetus and being a mother essentially. I'm in the image and likeness of the great mother the great mother that mothers all of us, the great mother that teaches all of us. And I'm not her. I am just a reflection of her. So I am a, a tiny minuscule instance of, of a reflection of her. So I'm learning from the master. And when I look at the orchestration of events and synchronicities and messages and conversations and everything that the divine mother orchestrates for all of us all the time. And then I think about my role in that for my sons, for example, it's mind boggling that I get exactly the inspiration I have inside my body just when I need to act for something that they need on their journey and, and then I will sit back and question it as the personality self and go, oh my God, was that too harsh? I shouldn't have done that. Or I shouldn't have said that. Or I shouldn't have let my son move out. Or I shouldn't have, all these things, the shouldn't haves, this all based on my limitation and my understanding of the divine mother and how she works through me. There's no shouldn't have. It's exactly the way it was meant to be for me to have the feelings and the experiences I needed to have. And for my sons to have the feelings and experiences that they needed to have to grow, we're co-creating together with this teacher that we share in common. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the mother wound. What is that? So the mother wound is, is this idea of separation. <laughs> you know, the mother wound is dishonoring and, and, and acting as if we're somehow more powerful or more, you know, we're not even like saying thank you for this life. We're not even saying thank you for where we came from, right? And that we're constantly guided. And we act as if, there. well, she's not there. And, you know, ultimately that's what it is. At the biggest sense, the divine mother is just like the denial of her existence and her, as our creator, right? I mean, that's ultimately... But it's also the, um, the way we treat the planet, you know, and the physical expression of how we dishonor and disrespect our planet, our home, the body of Christ, if we want to talk in Christian terms, how we dishonor the body. We dishonor all of life creations on earth, even other human beings, even our own mothers, our own children, even ourselves. And a lot of this has to do with the energetics that we've been, ex we co-creatively ex 
decided to experience over the last thousands of years with the patriarchy. We all agreed to have this experience of separation. We agreed to have this idea that man is a god that's like out there in the clouds. We sort of all sort of agreed that we would have this experiment to see what happens when we think that it's separate from us and it's masculine. Right. In human design, <laughs> the last like 200 years, the cycle that's ending right now is all about building structures. Structures. Yeah. That's and, all the stuff that's getting burned to the ground right now. We're done with that. We did an experiment, you know, mm -hmm. separate, ordered, disciplined, masculine, and, and then denigrating all things feminine. All things, you know, mocking the feminine, disrespecting, dishonoring, uh, violating, you know, just pretty much the whole spectrum of shunning all things feminine. Now we're coming into a harmony, you know. So from what I understand, this last 2,000 years, because I'm not an astrology expert, but I've heard this elsewhere, that the last 2,000 years was a response to the 2,000 years before that, where the feminine energy got a little wild and crazy and people got a little freaked out. Because it was a little too much, you know, thinking about the Mayans and sacrificing people and the blood, you know, pouring down the pyramids, you know, and the sacrifices. That that was the divine dark feminine. And it's it, very potent and also terrifying. So, you know, when we put things in a larger construct, we can kind of see like, okay, we went really way off over here. And then we went really way off over here. It isn't now it's a time to kind of blend, right? Come back in the middle. And that's how we, that is like the definition of an experiment, like finding the edges. We go like, what happens when we go all the way over here? Whoa, too far. What happens when we go all the way over here? Oh, too far. Okay, let's find the spot in the middle. Exactly. So we've been exploring the edges of our consciousness is what you're saying. Exactly. I like that. It's very astute. <laughs> and we need, we need that connection well, I was going to say with Mother Earth, but the connection with Mother Earth is also the connection with everything. It's all that is. Yeah. Right. It's, the celestial body of Earth is connected to the stars, the star systems, the solar systems, and the solar systems connected to the galaxy and the galaxies, connect, you know, so it's everything is connected to everything else all the way down to the little tiny ant that bites your toe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and reminds you to pay attention to what's under your feet. Yeah, like giants, please be careful when you're stepping all over my home. Exactly. Carrie, what is your daily practice? Like how does how does Carrie Hummingbird move through the world right now? Well, the way I like to move through the world is in the dream state of the connection to this uh, beyond the veil perception. It, I guess it's like a trance state. It's like a trance state or a dream state. It's very fluid. And I prefer to be in that state versus the hard regimented logical brain state. I, I haven't been in that state in a really long time. So, And I, yet you worked in tech for years. I worked in tech, yeah. And I knew I got that, that state of mind is very clear to me. Um, those, it's very, to me, that feels dead also. But it's, it's a different perspective. For some people, it feels like control. Hmm. So I was in that state of mind for a long time. I learned how to be very disciplined and very regimented and time-oriented and structured and all that. And 
Uh, and then I started on this path and my brain has just gone more and more and more off into the dream. So what, what I found amazing was that if I could be in the dream state, I could still say, I could actually say things that were more smart than if I was in the other state, the trying to have answers state or think about it state or research it or have the evidence state. And that state of mind actually was awkward. But in this state of mind, it's fluid and I'm just kind of like allowing it to flow through me <clears throat> and it's brilliant. And I can be surprised by it too. Like as we've been delighted in this conversation because both of us are totally in the trance dream state. And so we love it because it's like, we're just going yeah. back and forth and we're sharing the same consciousness, but we're speaking different parts. Exactly. You're, <laughs> what you're saying right now is just so beautiful. You're putting words to things that I didn't have words for. And I yeah. love how your energy, as you said, like the structure and time management, your energy just went like, like down in the dumps. And then you mentioned the dream state and, oh, I just felt you flowing through. I feel, it feels like a, um, a sheer piece of silk fabric, just like yeah. flowing through the wind. So I stay, I like to be in this space. This is my sweet spot. This is where my nectar is. And I love to be drinking from that fire hose all the time. So how do I stay in it is every day I invite it. So I wake up in the morning, I go outside with my sacred tobacco. I blow some prayers and Icaros into it and I light to the four directions and I start inviting. So I invite, I make huge invitations. Every day is a ceremony. So I wake up in the morning with my ceremony. I go outside, I blow tobacco to the south and ask for support to the west and north to the east. I invite the ancestors, all the plants, animals, I call them all out. You know, it takes me a little while, but I have the ones I like to work with. So I call them all out. And then as a new one comes up, I'm like, oh yeah, you come too. And then I'll invite them in. And then I just say, okay, all of life, I'm, I started just doing like, okay, all the meadows, all the streams, all the forests, all the mountains, you know, I just started just kind of doing that. And I just invite it all in. I just say, oh, you're welcome to play with me today and just uh, educate me, you know, inspire me, uh, keep me in the flow, uh, let's co-create. And I just, that's how I start my day. And then I'm in that altered state. And then I have conversations like this with other people that are doing the same thing in their own way. Keeps me in the altered state, you know. So I, that's where I live. I see. So you come from this background <laughs> of ceremony. I'm not, I'm not a big ceremony person. I'm hearing that that's not true, but my human self. <laughs> <laughs> Your human <laughs> self might think that. Yeah. Um, and yet. Every single morning I go outside, put my feet in the grass, say good morning, Mama Earth, good morning, Father Sky. I talk to the moon and the stars. I say thank you so much for this brand new day. And then and then I do. I call in my guides. I call I call for the hawks. I ask them to come remind me and show me whatever I need to see. I call to the bees. And I've never thought of it. It's just what I do. That is a ceremony. Yes, I suppose it is. <laughs> if you look at a ceremony, the ceremony invites the divine. Ceremony is the language of the divine. And so language of definitely Mother Earth. She likes ceremony. Mm -hmm. So as you open ceremony on your day, it's like, oh, okay. So we begin. Mm -hmm. and, and in a ceremony, you're not exactly sure what's going to happen. The only structure to it is that you open sacred space. And then you'll be guided. 
and and ceremony happens in trance. So you're guided to do the next thing. Is that what ceremony? I don't know the origin of the word, but is a ceremony open sacred space? It's a it's a ritual. It's a it's a portal to another way of thinking. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a it opens that trance part of your mind. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just because it was programmed into us or well, I had to wait for that answer, but it feels like ceremony is part of this opening of the divine, the co-creation. <clears throat> so yeah, your every day can be a ceremony. And and as you do that, you're, you know, when you're in ceremony, you're it's more like feeling your way through it and being in flow with it and sensing what it needs, like sensing what wants to be called forth into the space of the ceremony. At least when I do plant medicine ceremony, engage in it, participate in it, we always open sacred space. And then the ceremony is, there's certain ritual aspects of it. Like you might start with your intention. You might state an intention for your day or state an intention for the ceremony. And then you might have an altar. So you might, you know, in a a traditional ceremony, you might have an altar where you put flowers and beautiful offerings and gifts for the mother and just, you know, for spirit and just fill this up with beauty, you know, and then, then you might, you know, decide to play a song. (laughs) Yeah. You might decide to, to move. You might decide to have some movement. You might decide to, to give a gift to the earth or to the altar or something. So if you're opening your day as sacred space, well, then the whole earth is your altar, you know, the whole earth is, you know, and, and you can honor it and say, thank you and acknowledge the gifts been given. Mm. I love that. And I love, then I go to, and how can I honor mother earth every single day? There's a really simple practice I was shown. Mm-hmm which is takes just a tiny little bit of knowing about your heart chakra, which I know you already know, but just for anybody listening, the heart chakra is all connected on a meridian through your arms, down the bottoms of your hands. So your hands are chakras and they flow, you know, through your heart chakra and they throw love. So that's what hands-on healing actually is. It's just a conduit of love, you know, just like loving this person, you know, it's just like putting your hands there and saying, I love you. Here's my energy. So when you flow love from your heart into mother earth, that gift received. This is why I am sometimes called to put my hands on the earth. Mm. Cause I always let, I, I let whatever we want to call it source universe, mother earth guide me. And sometimes it's, I need to put my hands on the earth. Hmm. And you just need to send that love and gratitude and thank you. I was shown that if we all did that every day, it would make a whole bit of difference to mother earth. It would be, some people don't realize, but there are places in the earth where they're alive, like more alive, sparkly eye alive you know like i feel very alive because when i look at my eyes they sparkle and the landscape can also be alive like that like it's breathing it's alive it's conscious it's being seen it's being witnessed and that brings it to life that you're acknowledging its existence and peru is one of those countries where the indigenous people know that so when you go to the mountains or you go to these sacred sites 
the um, ancient sites, they are alive and pulsing with energy because they're the people give it that love and attention. It's like namaste. I see you. I see the light in you. One of the reasons why it was such a blessing to go to Machu Picchu for me in November in 2020, when a lot of people said, oh, you're not going to get there, blah, blah, blah. We ended up getting into Machu Picchu. We were the first tourists in there. Is because it had been resting. Machu Picchu had been resting for eight months or longer from the crowds, the throngs of people that go and take energy, but don't give it back. And she had a chance to rest and fill herself back up again. And so to be able to go to Machu Picchu and say, I see the light in you. Namaste. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for all you do for so many millions of people annually. Thank you so much for the service you offer for humanity. Was such a blessing to have the spaciousness to be able to offer those prayers. That is so beautiful. I feel the vibration of that. And it's just like a full body experience. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. It was a blessing. I want to share that blessing. We got to wrap this up. I feel like we could talk all day. Totally. (laughs) But Carrie, where can people learn more about you and work with you and read your books and anything else you want to share? Well, my primary website is carriehummingbird.com. That's K-E-R-R-I hummingbird.com. And pretty much everything's linkable from there. And I'm just super excited about my current summit that's going on because these conversations that are happening in this summit are so uh, provocative and potent. And I feel exactly the medicine we need right now uh, on the planet. And it really is calling up everybody who wants this conversation, like we're talking about, like with the earth keepers and, and being in harmony with our mother earth and embodying like all of that is included in these interviews. And we have live community calls. So we get a chance to see each other on zoom and say, hi, you know, that part I love too. Um, So that, and my new book, love is fear is healing the mother wound that is available for pre-order at motherwoundbook.com. And the summit's all included in this, this big, event, which my intention was to just cause a tidal wave of transformation around the planet. That is my intention. And to activate. You're a manifester and (laughs) that tidal wave shall happen. (laughs) Shall. It is already. (laughs) Carrie, you are such a gift. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and truth and experience and light with us today. Thank you, Kelsey, so much. And I see the light in you. I I hear the light in your voice and the love. And I so appreciate your existence. Mm, Right back at you, sister. Namaste. Namaste. We did it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I hope it inspired you. I hope it gave you epiphanies. I wanted to say, I hope it epiphanized you, but I don't think that's a word. And if it is, I don't think it means what I think it means. So anyway, hope you liked it. And 
remember, go check out Carrie's website. And if you want to work with me, come play at KelseyAbbott.com. This is where you can, well, just bounce around and explore on your own. KelseyAbbott.com. And remember, if you are interested in applying to be one of the three magical beings who gets to partner with me in the 2021 project, email me at Kelsey at find-your-awesome.com. Also, remember if you didn't listen to the Reconnect with Mama Earth meditation that dropped earlier this week, go listen to that. If you've missed the bonus episode so far, also last week there was a unicorn bitch slap for 2021. And the week before that was a simple noticing meditation. Hope you enjoy all of that. One more favor to ask you if you enjoyed this conversation and if you've enjoyed any or all episodes of the Find Your Awesome podcast, it would help me so much if you would share, share the whole podcast, share the episodes that you love, tell people to listen. And if you're on iTunes, please leave a five-star rating and a review. It helps it helps with the algorithm, you know, nonsense. And still I play in this 3d space. So I don't know. Shoulder stroke emoji. I love you. You are amazing. Thank you for being you go forth and be awesome.